Hi, welcome to the Tabernacle Talks podcast. My name is Gary Boyd, and I'm the pastor of the Collinsville Baptist Tabernacle. We're so glad that you've joined us for today's episode. The purpose of this podcast is to encourage and challenge the members of our church through interviews and discussions. We hope that today's interview will be a blessing to all of our listeners. All right, this is Brother Clarence here with our guest speaker, evangelist Adrian Burden, just an international evangelist that travels around the world spreading the gospel. And this is our opportunity to get to know him outside of the pulpit. So, Brother Adrian, just a few questions for you. Absolutely. What are some What are some tips you would give parents about raising kids in today's society? I know you have two young girls. One's getting ready to go into the youth group. One, you, I heard you just talking to Brother Matt. One, like a mini-me, I think about, <laughs> what, seven or eight years old? She is. So, what are some tips you give uh, parents with either young kids or teens raising them in society today. Absolutely. Well, first off, thanks for the opportunity to be able to do the Tabernacle Talks with you here. And uh, wow, that's a big question because it's hard to then to kind of summarize, but I'll just do my best on the fly here. First, let me just mention, as you have just said, uh, my wife, Tabitha, I have two daughters, Jasmine and Janae. And Jasmine's my 11-year-old. She's a mini version of my wife. Um, <laughs> she's basically, if you can get her to talk, good luck. My little, my other daughter, if you can get her to stop talking, then good luck. <laughs> That's kind of how the personalities kind of work. But um, thankfully, we've had the opportunity to start traveling. They've been traveling ever since they've been children. And so therefore, they've been very much used to uh, being around people and different things like that. However, one thing that I've noticed, if I were to say tips then specifically for parents and um, generation and things that are going on today, is not being ignorant of what's taking place in your child's life. I, I would say, I don't, I think this is just a mentality we have inside of our culture. A lot of times we pay everybody to do every single space of life. So I, if I want my car, I pay my mechanic, take care of the car. Um, my house, I want to go ahead and pay somebody, take care of the basement, make sure there's no critters or anything like that. I pay this in person. And sometimes I think unknowingly parents will then do the same thing when it comes to church and youth pastors and pastors. Hey, I'm paying you to raise my kid, you know, and I'm paying you, Mr camp speaker to undo 10 years of bad parenting in one week of camp <laughs> using the Bible. And it's like, you know, this is this is something the ministry that we have is to come alongside that institution of the home and then to be able to assist that. And there's really going to be no substitute for dad. There's no substitute for mom. And so I would then say, um, as far as a tip that's concerned, is never underestimating the biblical role that God has given to us as parents. If we say, you know what? my children don't know such and such and this and such. They're not learning the youth group. Well, bro, that's your job. (laughs) You are the parent, you know? And I think the neglect that sometimes happens is we have an outlet and a scapegoat to blame other ministries. And I think that we got to take in consideration and and I'll throw myself under the bus with this one there, Clarence. And that is this. The other day we were going down the road and we were driving and I asked my kids, we're going to play a Bible question game, you know? And I start asking questions to the girls and then I found out wow like Jasmine do you really not know what happened to Moses's rod when he you know when during the time they're choosing the priest for Aaron and like or questions that I thought she should know and I'm like dude I gotta own it that's on me you know my kid didn't know it was the Red Sea that parted 
that's on me. And I have yeah. to take responsibility. So I would say a tip is, hey, I'm in the same boat with you. I'm not looking down at any person in the podcast that's listening. Yeah. I'm just saying, hey, look, there's we cannot be ignorant of where they are. And if they, if they are ignorant of certain things, then we know our role of what we need to do. Yeah. So um, I know with, uh, you know, I'm the youth pastor here. And so you're telling me that, you know, the parents play a huge role in them knowing some of these uh, biblical accounts and some of the things from the Bible. So if they don't know something, it's not just the youth pastor's fault. Absolutely. So how <laughs> would you, what would you say to a parent to saying, Hey, you know, my kid, I want them to know more about the Bible. What are some things I can do at home to help them learn more about the Bible? Because I know there, I know there's a lot of parents that are like, okay, I know you love football. Let's go do that. Let's go do that together. There's kids that love baseball. There's girls that love volleyball, yeah. things like that. Dance. What are some things they can do to get their kids interested in them also being involved? Some things they can do at home to get them to learn more about the Bible, more about God's Word. Okay. The number one, I would say you have to acknowledge the awkward. The awkward that sometimes that takes place is in many people's homes to talk about the Bible, it automatically gets weird. Like, yeah. why is dad talking about this verse of scripture? Why is mom bringing it up? Am I in trouble? Or are they, is there, there somebody sick in our family? Like, I, I, I even challenge parents during conferences. I'll say, hey, look, is the only time your children see you on your knees with your kid walk into a room and you are praying in your room, in, in the living room on your knees, would the child step away and be like, did someone die? Or is it like, oh, that's my dad. He just prays. He's just praying here today. You know, like, is it weird? So yeah. what I'm saying is acknowledge the awkward that if it's not part of the culture of your home to talk about the Bible, well, then you acknowledge that, that that's something that needs to change. Yeah. Then we move to, okay, from we acknowledge it, now let's do something about this. All right. So it then just works into normal conversation. Yes, it might start off and feel a little bit strange to then be able to be like, you know, whether that's a devotional time, whether that's a set aside time every week whatever it is to talk about the Bible, it has to start somewhere. But eventually it just becomes part of life where things just become a lesson. That's why I love the book of Proverbs because with Proverbs, um, I just love it when somebody can take real life instances and connect it to a proverb, you know, like the eye that mocketh his father and the eye that despises obeys his mother the ravens of the valley shall peck it out. Now it sounds disgusting, but you do see that like if Mike, if somebody makes a foolish decision, I'll say, you know, the girls, you know, the Bible says about the ravens will pick the eyes out of a person who ignores the parent's instruction. It sounds gruesome, but you know what it shows is that a person won't have any direction. Sometimes kids, you're going to see people that you're like, dad, I can't believe they did this. And dad and so-and-so in youth group, their family's going to do this. And I said, you know what? You know, they're going to do them and that they stand before the Lord. But understand that these decisions that you see they make sometimes when a person and attach a proverb to a real life situation to be for someone then to draw conclusions and i think once that becomes the stride i think that what happens is it doesn't become weird to talk about the bible you see the practicality of scripture then you see the application of scripture and you put these together and then you just have a scripture a home that is built on the word of God. I, that's wow. that's, my that's phenomenal. The practicality you're saying there, just using scripture and using yeah. practical examples to talk to your children about that. And that's just amazing to, that you said, to take away the awkwardness. Yeah. Because if they don't normally see you praying and then they're like, okay, hey, 
somebody must have died. That's the only time I see mom and dad pray. So another question for you is to move from that awkwardness of, hey, you know, mom and dad are praying, somebody must have died or some tragic thing happened. Do you put yourself in areas so that your kids see your spirituality instead of just closing yourself off so then you have, because I know most people know that you're supposed to have a prayer closet, a time alone yeah. that you're just spending with God. Do you place yourself somewhere, maybe like in the house, like in the living room, maybe out on the patio where the kids can see that, hey, they're still alone with God, but hey, they do have a spiritual life outside of church. Yeah, that's a hard one for me because I am an anomaly in the sense that I, our family lived in a fifth wheel trailer for a 40 foot trailer for about, you know, six or seven years. Um, so you really can't hide. <laughs> There's no closets there. Um, so I, I, I'm not, I, so therefore anything that I would say would be conjecture and I don't want to definitely make it sound like doctrine, but I would just put it like this. There's no need to hide anything anything like wow. like I mean there are sometimes that here's what will happen we'll get a the other day um, our neighbor texted us she was very frightened because there's an amber alert that came out and our I don't believe my neighbor's a believer she she talks you know spiritual things but I don't know and so the other day she sent us a text she's really concerned that this young person is I know they ran away got kidnapped or whatever it is so I think this is a beautiful opportunity. Kids, our neighbor just asked us to pray. They, she's scared. Usually she we've invited her to church, but she doesn't really come. But hey, kids, we're going to pray right now. Right now. Like, like, let that be the default mode is let's pray about it right now. Um, I mean, this is not for every family. My mom did this, and so it's taken off. My brothers and I all do this. Before we move a vehicle, we pray before we move any vehicle. Uh, it's just it's just now, hey, Jasmine, pray for safety as we get ready to head into the road. You know, whenever our first launch out is, they're used to the fact that we're going to pray. And so the thing is, it's like, it's not a matter of, you know, let me have my prayer time, come and watch me. But it's just kind of like, well, duh, you know, we're just going to pray about it, you yeah. know. So when even she tells me about a situation going on, uh, for example, Janae came and said, you know, Dad, I'm not really making friends. And she came and gave me a prayer request. Can you pray, Dad? When you pray in the evenings, can you pray that I get a friend? And so what do we want them to do? See the power of God in their life. And so what do we do right then? You give me a need. You give me something you're thinking about. They might not even term it as a prayer request, but they don't yeah. have to turn this as a request. Let's pray right now. Wow. And that's, that then opens up that we have a home where we just pray. That's oh, just yeah. how it works. Oh, yeah. yeah. That's awesome. I know I have I have young kids. One's going to be turning two here in a few months. And they are and, yeah. adorable. They <laughs> Thank are you. Adorable. That, uh, that little girl, man. And, of course, I'm, a, I'm biased, but she's adorable. But oh, anyway, yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Even with little kids, like with Titus and Tiana, I know my wife wants to get us in a mood where before he goes to bed and before he eats, we're trying to pray with him Amen. and start that with him. Would you suggest parents with young kids? Should they start doing those, implementing those things of, hey, let's, we're going to pray before every meal. We're going to pray before, like you said, moving up, moving a vehicle. We're going to read our Bible before we go to bed. You're going to come, hey, when you wake up, we're getting ready for school. Or if it's a day off, we're going to get up and we're going to do our devotions together. Would you suggest with young kids starting a habit of doing something like that? I cannot even give you words in the English language of how absolutely yes, that is the question. And let me just even add a little bit more to that. Um, honestly, growing up, we didn't have this going on in our home. Um, 
And so it was just something I saw my older brother. I went to his house, and he was the first one to have children. And so I just noticed that every night he'd go into the girl, his little girl's room, and they would just pray. Like, it wasn't like a 10-minute devotion. It wasn't he had to get something new from the Word. It wasn't anything like that. He just said, hey, before you go to bed, we're going to pray together. And quite honestly, that's what we do every night as a family. You know, and it, some nights we all pray. Some nights you, um, it used to be a thing because after you pray and they're just used to that, then you get to lead the prayer time. So Janae, you know, anybody, and this is a huge question, I think, is how you know somebody's heart. Because I don't see any relationship that comes close without people praying. Like one of the best friends that I have are friends that I prayed with. And it just does something too. It's just a different kind of relationship that after you pray, we're getting ready to pray right now that... You can then say, all right, here's a prayer request. It becomes more than just prayer request is code to talk about our problems. It's a prayer request is because we're going to get down and do this as soon as we get done. So the person who's leading like Janae would be like, anybody have any prayer requests? Anybody? And then that's when they see the thing is this is when you start hearing about, hey, um, I'm being bullied at school. Hey, dad. Um, such and such is going on. This is when it happens yeah. is in these moments where it's like. Maybe they would never have brought it up because and you look back and it's like, honey, you should have told me that this was going on. This is these things were happening to you at school or these things were taking place. And the thing is, is like sometimes it's just not an environment because when we get busy with something, we just forget about stuff. We're yeah. very distracted people. Oh, yeah. But when someone looks at you and says, Clarence, is there anything I can pray for you about? It makes you think and it then makes you say things that maybe you never would have said. And then you mm -hmm. take them to the right place, to the Heavenly Father. So wow. absolutely to your answer. Wow. Wow. I, I, there's, there's one thing, thing you said, said in there with when they're praying, they bring up things that they would never bring up in just a casual conversation. You brought up the example of you're getting bullied at school. They brought it up in a prayer request because it's something that they want you to think about and they want God to take care of. That's just huge. Most parents don't think about that. Uh, yeah. Hey, if we have this prayer time together, I'll be able to know what's going on in my kid's life. Because there's a lot of parents nowadays that, don't have a clue what's going on in their kids. Totally life. disconnected, absolutely. Yeah. And they they just they're like, man, I wish my kids would talk to me. I wish my, I wish I knew what was going on in my kids' life. And they see some of that inner rebellion, some of that disconnect as a family. Do you would you say that prayer and spiritual time together kind of reflects some of that? Absolutely, it kind of it kind of tells the story. The fact of. I'm not, ignorance is a very strong word, but it shows a little bit of the obliviousness of some parents and stuff. Um, because I think that we, a lot of times, especially those that work really hard, because we provide them that education that they're receiving, because I'm providing you the money to go to youth group and everyone should be doing their job because I'm doing my job, I'm providing. And you, pastor, do your job. And teacher, Christian school, do your job. You know, video class or whatever for Zoom, do your job. Like, I think that sometimes, I don't think it's that, you know, structured, but it does make us kind of get into that mentality that we be, do become oblivious to these certain things. And to add to the answer as well, I think also we live in such a compartmentalized society to some degree that it's easy for your life just to go on. And then I was reminded that my kids see life differently. Like my ministry that the Lord's given to me of preaching at different churches. When I think of, you know, Collinsville Baptist, or if I think of, I'm trying to think of another Grace Baptist Church, right? Like I'm, when I hear those names, I hear, oh, 
that church is a church of pastor so-and-so is the pastor there. And this, this is how I remember them. Now, if you do that same thing to my children and say, hey, tell me about Grace Baptist Church or whatever. They started looking around the room like, oh, I'm not sure. And then you start mentioning things. That's the church that had tricycles inside of the gymnasium. <laughs> then they go like, oh, that church. I love that church because they remember it totally differently. Yeah. The way they view life is so differently. And sometimes we look as parents and be like, well, you have what you need. You have this, you have that. Therefore, this is the response. And sometimes that's not the case. They're looking at something totally at a left field that we've not even thought of as a parent. And we're thinking to ourselves, like, why are they not? Because they're not looking at it in that way. And I think the only way to tap into that little quartal, frontal, what's that brain word? Anyway, to tap into (laughs) their brain, let's put it that way. Um, to tap into their brain and what they're thinking is the only way is to talk to them about it. It's the only way you're going to figure it out. And I think a lot of those deep things come out when they feel open enough to pray with you. Like, I feel like the melting moment of a parent for me was like when my daughter came and said, can you pray for me? Like, to me, wow. it, it, I, I want to cry. And then it's like, Lord, you've got to answer this one. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, yeah, so yeah. I pray for it every day. I, I st- Actually, this morning, I just prayed, Lord, I pray that Janae gets a friend, you know, that's, awesome. that, that's really tight with. But anyway. Yeah. That's awesome. Man, you know, in different youth groups and di- with different teenagers, there's always different and difficult situations where some teens are, you know, not with their parents. They're with maybe a grandparent. They're with an aunt. They're with an uncle. Or maybe they're just with a whole other adopted family. And they come into this again in their teenage years or maybe that age middle between teenage where they're like 10, 11 going going into the youth group and they have a lot of things going on in their life. How would you direct a family, maybe a family member that's taken in a teenager or maybe some foster parent that's taken in a teenager with a hard situation? How do you tell them what what do you tell them to to break down the walls, give them the steps to break down those walls so that they're more open with them? So then they can help them along the way with the situation that this teenager has been brought into with that. You know, that's whew, that's a big question. And I, I first off, we have to realize, bro, we are human and we cannot change anybody. God is the one who does. Um, I, I would first take the broad picture out. I want to make sure I give scripture to understand in the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew, and then also reference Mark chapter 9, verse, verse 29. And there are some situations, Clarence, that are just so like, I empathize probably on a high level um, than normal. And so when somebody tells me their story um, about where they've come from, where they've been, I mean, my heart literally would bleed for them. And and there are people who are trying to help put some of these jigsaw pieces together of their life and put some of these dots together. And in the meantime, though, just practically speaking, the person that's gone through the trauma are just plain mean sometimes. Yeah. You know, life has treated them like garbage and they treat everybody else just like garbage. Um, so I would first say, referencing those two verses, that sometimes not change is not going to happen and it's going to then let me go and emphasize prayer again, but let me emphasize Mark 9 and that is this, is that the disciples came to Jesus and they were doing miracles because God, God gave them power to do miracles and they were doing miracles and they came to this one guy and they tried to cast out a demon and it didn't work. And another disciple was like, let me do it. And he did his little words and it didn't work. And they like, what is going on? And so the people said, go get Jesus, let him do it. So Jesus comes and he cast the demon out. 
the disciples were like upset, like, Lord, come on now. Like, why, why, why thought you gave us power to do this? And he made this statement that some things does not happen without prayer and fasting. There are just some prayers, bro, that are never going to be answered except by prayer and fasting. I'm saying is, if you are burdened enough for your kid or burdened enough for the foster child that is acting out and having those things, yes, you can pray for them. But I'm going to even encourage the broad view of even fasting and praying that specifically that God would do something to break that wall for you to then to be coming out. I know it's not like a, oh, what do I say to them? What do we do? No, it's that this is showing our absolute complete dependence upon the Lord for that. But also, let me just add on a practical, more, a practical side as well. Obviously, praying for them, you know, most likely. And then... Um, there's something that we don't do anymore, and man, I'm not going to get into preach mode, but um, <laughs> the thing is, there's something we don't do that's a, it's a neglected church, um, a Christian discipline, is we don't lament with people anymore. Um, we don't weep with people like we should, and I think that sometimes that we are already with our pill bottle to fix people instead of hearing them. And there are people that are coming broken and we're already formulating our response of what we're going to say to correct their thinking. And there's a season of time with some people, you just need to hush and cry with them. I can't believe that God would allow this to happen to me. I can't stand. I don't like God. I hate my dad. I hate everyone. And before we come with our response and everything of, you know, God loves you, you know, before we do that, we might just need to hold their hand, let them cry their eyes out, and we cry with them until the right season then to be able to then point. It's lamenting. It's what yeah. happens. So anyway, so I, I would encourage those those two things, fasting and lamenting, too biblical disciplines i believe you hit it right on the head with you know what in churches nowadays and even not even just in churches just in general us as church people as followers of christ we don't lament with people we don't weep with you weep with those who we we we're supposed to feel what what they're going through and the only way we can do that is and I, i know you've heard this saying before People don't care how much we know until they know how much we care. Absolutely. How can we really show that to someone unless we really try to feel and get where they're coming from? And that's by listening. And most of the time, I know I do this, is when we're listening to somebody, we're already, like you said, we're formulating how can I, what verses am I bringing? How am I going to solve this problem for this person? And sometimes we just need to listen. And we just need to, like you said, hold their hand and cry with them. And man, I I feel you on the situation, and I I know this is something that hard, something hard you're going through. Man, I I feel for you. Let me let me pray with you, and not try to give them a solution. Would you suggest maybe? I know you said that with just people in general. Do you think that works with? Like I said, me as a youth pastor, do you feel like that works with teenagers as well? As they mm-hmm. if they come to you with a problem. That we don't always come with a solution, a fix, but we try to lament with them. We try to feel where they're coming from with those things. As a youth pastor and other youth pastors maybe that might listen to this, do they just listen to their teens and try to 
feel what they're feeling in that situation. You know, let me first just mention as a preface to what I'm getting ready to say uh, of saying that there's no substitute for walking with God and having absolute dependence and walking with the Lord to give you discernment about whatever's getting ready to come out of your mouth. Um, because if you're noticing a pattern of this where a person's not doing what God's already asked them to do and the advice and different things have been given, then we obviously, God might have to give you wisdom to be like, you know, sometimes we got to draw like a little bit of a line that's there. But I would say that 90% of the time is what you're referring to. Um, we don't like awkward. We don't like awkward. We don't like what we do not understand. We are not sympathetic to that which we cannot explain. If we don't put it in a box, we get nervous. So all these statements would then make it that many times, as soon as somebody tells me something that's out of my purview of understanding, it's almost like we got to, we got to, no, this is making me uncomfortable. We got, well, no, we got to handle this because you can't walk away from my presence and feel whatever it is that you feel. Now, I, I would say that, you know, we are so, because we even give to adults, like let's just say a lady has a miscarriage and as she has a miscarriage, um, we give a culturally a set amount of time you're supposed to grieve. All right. It's been a month. It's time for you to move on, sister. You know, when I talk to you, I don't want to talk about that miscarriage anymore. Yeah. If I don't want to talk about whatever pain that you might be feeling right now. Like, I think that we give it, we don't like say there's a date, but there's an expiration date of our care about certain things about people. And I think that what happens is it creates a, a society of plastic smiles and genuine Christianity because we're always ready to grab the pill bottle out of our pocket and fix somebody rather than let it be something that is just kind of like, as you said, a step of just weeping with them. And some, quite honestly, it's going to be longer than others. And I'll say expect Especially with teenagers, because if there's any group that is more so just genuine at the core and can detect genuineness is going to be a teenager. And since they detect that, the fact that you're kind of just you just want to make me some type of super soldier for Jesus and not necessarily care about me as a spirit, as a person who walks with God. And I think that we lose a lot when we do that. So again, I think I'm answering your question in the sense of saying, you know, like, yes, being led of the Holy Spirit. Yes, it's applicable on all levels because the word of God and these disciplines and the principles that he says of fasting and then of lamenting and doing these other things are so important. And, and just for clarity's sake as well is I recommend highly, highly the book by Mark Veerpop called Weep With Me. And uh, there's another one, uh, Dark Clouds. Dark Clouds, Deep Mercy. Best book, best book I've ever read upon the discipline of lamenting to understand it. We would like to thank all of our listeners for joining us today. To the members of our church, we hope to see you in a service soon. If you're not a member of our church and you are ever in the Tulsa area, we hope that you'll come by and see us. If you'd like to know more about our ministry, you can find us online. We are on Facebook and Instagram, and our website is cbtchurch.com. If you enjoyed this interview, you can help us out by liking and subscribing using your preferred podcast provider. Thanks again. We hope that you have a blessed day.